Welcome to the Bermagui Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Here you'll find the recording of messages from our weekly gatherings. We pray you'll be challenged and encouraged by today's message. As we've highlighted, you know, today is Mother's Day. So what I want to do first is, is just give honour to the women and the mothers around us. You know, like, I get blown away, I guess, by the, the gifting and the calling and the uniqueness of, of, of men and women. And the fact that, that, that mothers and women have been just given such a, a unique perspective and a unique makeup that just make them so precious and so amazing in the sense of that engagement and that relationship and that, that way that, you know, that we're raised. And you know, I, I truly believe that God has, has gifted women and mothers with this ability to love and care and to see children and, and, and people in their care, maybe not even their own children, but other, other children and other people around them, in, that is just a unique and powerful and, and irreplaceable um, gift from God. And you know, I'm sure every one of us have memories of people in our world, you know, not only our own mothers, and you know, for some of us, maybe some of those memories aren't so great and things like that, but at the same time, maybe you've got other women in your world that you would consider as mother figures. I know I do. You know, had a great mum um, in my life. Uh, sadly, we lost her when I was 16. But um, there's been other women, you know, in, in church and just in, in our family circle and things like that that have just mothered me, that have cared for me, that have, have just been there for me in that way. You know, so it might be grandmothers, it might be aunties, family friends. So today, I just want to just give honour and say thank you. Thank you for, for allowing God to work through you in that way. So that's why I wanted to ask Prudence to come up and just sort of share a few things. As um, Lynn pl- prayed this morning, you know, like it really does draw our attention to this, this, this character of, of, of the Mother Mary. And, you know, sometimes Mary's put up on a pedestal. I think that, you know, maybe she would have stepped down from at times. Because, you know, when you look at what is mentioned about her in Scripture, she was a quiet soul. She didn't, she didn't chase the limelight. She didn't demand the, the, the prestige of, you know, being the mother of the Son of God. What I read when I, I look at the character of Mary is that she was just faithful. She faithfully raised her son. She faithfully followed her God. And, you know, those few verses that came up in the section that we read to the kids, you know, in Luke chapter 2 there, you know, his mother stored all these things in her heart. And, and earlier, you know, when the, after the shepherds and the wise men visited her and all that sort of thing in that, in, in that nativity story, in Luke chapter 2, 19, it says, But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought of them often. I just love this, this image of Mary just being just contemplative and, and thoughtful and, and attentive to, to all that was going on around her and around this amazing event. I don't know about you, but you know, there's a song that I think that this is, is, is the epitome of describing, I guess, some of the, the journey that Mary went through. You know, we quite often pull it out at Christmas time, but it's that Mary did you know? If you haven't heard it, I encourage you to jump on YouTube, have a, have, have a listen to it because it's an amazing song. And it's particularly the second verse for me just really speaks just of the, I guess, the contrast and the, the conflict almost that Mary must have been going through. And it says, did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? Yeah, that he was. He's the son of God. And when you kiss your little baby, that you kiss the face of God. I know, but you like, oh, I've... I've sung that song a couple of times. I almost break when I sing those lines because I just go, wow. Yeah, what, a, what an experience and what, a, what an honour she must have felt. 
<coughs> and Mary actually doesn't get all that many mentions in Scripture. You know, we get those mentions, obviously, of, of her raising her son. Once he's into his ministry, we don't hear all that much from her, but we do see that she's there at the cross. But something that's not often mentioned is that she was there after the cross. It wasn't just that, you know, she was there while he's alive, but she was there when he was risen. She was there with the disciples at Pentecost. She was faithful to the call and the commands of the Son of God. In Acts 1.14, it says they, they all met together and were constantly united in prayer along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. And a little bit later, Acts 2.4, yeah, and everyone present were filled with the Holy Spirit, were speaking other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them ability. And Mary was there. Mary was there with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and the, the birth of the, the church on earth, the body of Christ on earth. So I don't want to just give credit to Mary as, as, as the birth mother of, of Jesus and that all that she did in that, that early point of his life. But she was faithful to her God. But it was a quiet and gentle spirit that we see in her. And sometimes this idea of you know, being quiet and gentle, I've been in circles in church where that's almost been pushed aside. So, like, oh no, but we've got to get out there. We've got to be bold. We've got to be courageous. We've got to... You know, get in people's faces with the gospel and do things like that. And, you know, there's definitely a time when we need to be assertive. There's time to be bold. But not in replacement of gentleness. You know, kindness and gentleness are actually fruits of the Spirit. They're, they're actually meant to be manifested in our lives through the work of Jesus in our world. And as I said, sometimes those things are sort of pushed aside. People are sort of saying, oh, but you know, we can't be just quiet about it who we are in Christ. In part, I agree. In part, though, I think there's a power and there's a, there's, there's a presence given when we actually just gently go about our lives, gently go about what it is God's laid before us. So this is where I want to invite Prudence up. Because those that know Prudence, you know, she's a, she's a quiet one. She'll admit that herself. But I see such authority in, in what she does and, and who she is and the ministry that she's done. You know, like we've, we've walked in ministry together even before we got married um, in Cooma. And I must say, it was one of the things that attracted me to her. Um, you know, she, she just had just an amazing personal relationship with God. And just her interaction with the young people and the youth and things like that that we're working with in Cooma, I just went, wow, you know, that's, that's a woman that you know, is serving God faithfully, a woman that you know, may, may not be at the front of the stage all the time or you know, the, the big loud one, but the young people were drawn to her. They respected her in, in an amazing way. And you know, a couple of verses that we've really, I guess, I guess made a part of our world, part of our life. One in particular is 1 Thessalonians 4. It says, make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands, just as we instructed you before. And then people who are not believers will respect the way you live and you will not need to depend on others. And another one in 1 Timothy 2, it says, you know, pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Saviour. And one more, and this is an instruction given to um, 
to women in particular, and sometimes I think people grab this and say, oh, this is why women need to be submissive and we need to be quiet and kept away and all sort of thing. But it's actually God's sort of saying, no, I just want these characteristics to be bold in your life. They might be the quiet things. They might be the gentle, you know, expressiveness in that sense. But there's something powerful about it. In 1 Peter 3, 4, it says, you know, you should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. And I want to highlight that. Yeah, I think sometimes there's been, obviously in our history, you know, there's been times where women have been you know, pushed to the side and pushed down. So I know, you know, need to be quiet, need to be whatever. I don't see that ever, like, oh, I'm trying to get my words right here. It's not, it's not a controlling thing. It's not a, it should never have been a, a thing of going, well, this is their place, or women's place. But it actually should be a place where we go, no, in all that God's called you to be, you know, live that, grab a hold of that, define that. Because it is it's precious. And as men, we need to be able to grab a hold of that and, and actually treat that as precious and treat that as something that's so special and so unique and so amazing. And lift women up beside us to be all that God's called them to be. So I guess some of the questions I wanted to start to sort of go through with Prudence was, you know, like, I'll ask you first and then I might sort of jump in with some of my own bits and pieces, but, you know, reflecting on your own mother and preemptive Prudence, I've just got a few ideas around this and that sort of thing, but what were some of the quiet strengths that you saw in your own mother? What were some of the things I guess you saw as an example in your world? Um, there's lots of things, but I think one thing was we grew up with, we didn't have a lot of money. Us kids didn't realise we didn't have a lot of money because of the way our parents um, brought us up, I think. My mum was a very thrifty person and very resourceful with the things that we did have. And so I don't think we realised just how, not poor we were, but um, I look back and think, oh, okay. Mum was just so good at getting hand-me-downs from people and op shopping. I think she just did such a great job and she utilised the things that we had around the place for re-gifting or repurposing to turn it into something. I remember um, mum would get all the Pringles packets and she'd wash them out, she'd cover them with material and then she'd fill them with lollies and that would be one of our presents for our birthday. It's just things like that. I just think, like, she really had to think... Okay, we don't, we've only got this amount of money. I want to get my kids this, this and this. What else can I do with what I have? And she just always came up with things like that. But we didn't realise that we had no money. Um, she just made it seem like we had stuff. <laughs> um, and we always had lots of food. Mum kind of found people who lived on farms and I don't know how she did it, but she just was always just so good at that. But the quietness was that we just didn't realise. We didn't realise the effort that she probably went to to find those things and do those things for us. Yeah. Like I know for me, when I was reflecting on that question, you know, looking back at my mum and the journey that she went through and the fact that you know, it's only as an adult that I realise, I guess, how much she must have done and how much she must have pushed through because you know, she was first diagnosed with, with the brain tumour that, um, that, that she had when I was eight years old. And um, I don't 
I don't remember mum being sick. I don't remember mum being uh, weak or, or any of those sorts of things. And mum and dad obviously just managed things around us kids in such a way that we still just felt whole and, 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 and there as a family. Um, you know, I remember her having to go to hospital and, and things like that. She was gone for about six weeks, I think, at a time with the, the therapies that they were doing with her and things like that. But, um, but again, yeah, that, that quiet strength, that, 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 that quiet ability just to, to, to still be mother. Um, especially now as an adult, I look back and I go, wow, she must have just, just pulled things together in such a way that was just incredible. But another aspect, you know, both, like we're both blessed to have mothers that, you know, led, led, led by example in their faith. So, you know, what was one of the things that spoke loudly about your, your mum's relationship with God? I've got a few things. <laughs> um, the main one was that my mum prayed about everything. And she would not just pray by herself in a room, she would pray with us. So if we had an issue, she would always firstly say, well, let's pray about it. Um, and not just a quick, oh, thank you, Jesus, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it was, she always just had so much faith that God was going to answer the prayer. Um, that we grew up just going, well, we know because mum prays for everything and things just happen that God can do anything. Um, and I think, like, I think I would watch her even with other people. Like, she'd start this conversation with someone and then they'd say maybe they're having a hard time with something and mum would just go, well, let's pray. And she'd just start praying with them. We'd be in Main Street or... Anyway, and as a kid, I was embarrassed, of course, because that was like, mum, you don't do that. But... Now that I'm older, I go, well, why not? Like, you know, she had the opportunity right then and there and she wasn't going to miss it and so she just she just did it. But it wasn't this big act of look at me. It was always just God can, God can help you. I'll pray for you, you know. Um, but it was mostly I'll pray with you right now. It was never, well, not often was it I'll pray for you about that later. She would just do it. Um, and as a pretty shy kid, I was like, oh, I don't know how she does that. <laughs> but it was wonderful to watch and amazing to have a mum who did that. Yeah. Again, for me, when I was reflecting on it, the, the one that sort of jumped out at me was um, my, my mother was a piano player and you know, led worship and was, was worship leader in our church for a long time. But it wasn't the fact that she was leading worship in church publicly, but she would worship at home privately. And yeah, some of my best memories as, as a small kid was that I used to love laying on the floor basically under the piano stool as mum played because I used to love watching her feet doing the pedals. But just this vivid memory of her not only practicing the songs for, for the service coming up or something like that, but she would just worship. She'd start to sing and she was just in the zone with God. And you know, right through my childhood, that was just a, something that really stuck with me. You know, mum was a worshipper. She, she loved God and it wasn't just a show or something she did out of out of duty on a Sunday. You know, whenever she felt, it just seemed to be at different times throughout the week. She would just start, start playing, start playing her favourite songs, and she would worship. And the crazy thing is, it's a seed that um, was, I believe, was sort of given over to my brother. And even though my brother's away from God at the moment, he's living in a homosexual relationship, he still can jump on a piano, and his default, he starts to sort of just tinker, but once he sort of lets himself go, he goes back to the old praise and worship songs that he learned. 
And you just can't help yourself. Those, those seeds were buried there. And I believe it's because of the example that our mother gave. It's just incredible. So I guess leading into some other things, you know, what, what are some of those, you've raised a few, I guess, but what are some examples, I guess, that you feel you've brought into your parenting, your mothering? So some of them aren't overly spiritual, but um, <laughs> are great parenting tips, I guess. Um, one thing that mum always did, she called it praise time, and every morning mum would do like a Bible story and we'd draw whatever she was um, reading. We'd do memory verses and things like that, and that's what we now do with our kids and did with Daisy and Penny as well. Um, I just loved that she would always start the day with God. Um, and sometimes that was like the worst part of the day because we'd all be like, oh, we don't want to do it. But I'm so glad she persisted because it really just put something in us and went, no, this is important. Um, another one was mum always had this thing of being a family with just one TV. Um, when our friends were sort of talking about, oh, we've got a TV in our room, mum was like, nope, <laughs> it's only ever in the lounge room. We're just having one. We don't need any more than that. She was a big believer in family time and things like that and thought that if we had screens and stuff in our rooms, we'd never come out, which I think would probably be true. So we we actually do have two TVs, but <laughs> the idea is that they don't go in the bedrooms. They're just out in the lounge room. So when we watch a movie, we watch it together. Um, even when the kids are playing video games, they're out in the family room with us. So it's just sort of that whole doing life together thing. Um, another big one is that I feel like they tried to involve us in every aspect that they could, age appropriately, of course. And we were constantly having conversations about all sorts of things. So maybe an issue would come up within the church we were in and my parents would sort of talk to us about it and explain, you know, what's going on and why this happened or that sort of thing. And we'd pray as a family. We were always sitting around the table discussing life. Um, and sometimes they got heated and other times they were, you know, just good. But, yeah, I loved how she just involved us. And she would also do that with our friends. Our friends would come over and she would just include them in whatever it was we were doing and whatever the conversations were. And my friends would always say to me, I want your mum for my mum. <laughs> and I was like, well, I don't want your mum for mine, but Okay. <laughs> But she was, she was just, and she still is, she's just someone who just includes everybody, no matter who you are, no matter where you're from. Um, and I always love that. So I guess for me, I try to, when we're talking or when the kids are asking a question, I try really hard not to just go just because I said so or just give them a pat answer. I try really hard to explain or answer their question with a proper answer. Um, and so sometimes I've had to say to my kids, look, right now I actually don't have time to go into a great big discussion, which we maybe normally would do. You're just going to have to trust that I'm making the right decision. We'll talk about it later. Um, but they then, I feel anyway, I like that with other people. So they start to talk to other people, even at their age, in the way that I do with them and try to be really respectful. And I just, I, I love that that's going through the generations. Um, yeah. <laughs> so building on that, yeah, like you've, like 
She hasn't big known herself very much, but I liked her. You know, Prudence has been faithfully serving church since she left home. She she left uh, Malakuda, 18, and came up to Cooma and started an um, internship. Our church in Cooma was, was running an internship, of, uh, just like a certificate four in, in, in Christian ministry. Uh, but she ended up doing three years of study. Um, and throughout that was faithful to the, the youth groups and the, the women's ministry and pretty much scripture in school, uh, school ministry work before the chaplaincy program came into to being, things like that. Um, yeah, she's just had had a finger in nearly every ministry you could imagine in church. Um, probably even helped out at men's ministry at times. <laughs> Who knows? Um, uh, but, you know, she's, she's preached, she's led small groups, she's, she's done lots of bits and pieces that um, have been, I guess, our, our journey, you know, before we're married and, and after we're married. But particularly, you know, you know, as life went on and as especially kids came on the scene, what were some of the struggles, I guess, and some of those like, tensions and conflicts that you've had to go through um, as a woman and, and as a mother in, in church? Um, I guess it kind of combined with ministry in church. But when we first took on the girls, um, we were probably doing just as much ministry-wise uh, before the girls. But people didn't, especially the first probably two years, they didn't actually see us as parents. So we'd taken on a girl at age 8 and 12, two girls, and I would constantly get questions like, um, oh, but you only have them during the day, don't you? Or you don't have them on weekends or anything. And I'm like, no, 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 we're, we're their parents now. Like, they're with us all the time. We're doing everything a parent would do. Um, and so I felt like I was constantly having to explain that I was a parent now. And especially because we'd only been married for six months and then got two kids. Um, to do ministry and then have to constantly explain myself as to why we have these kids with us. Um, that was really hard. Um, and then obviously when our lot came along and they were little babies, I felt like I spent the whole time in the parent room. And I remember some Sundays just going, why do I come? Like, what am I doing? I sit in the parent room until church is over and then I come out and have a cup of, like I could do this at home. And I used to just get really frustrated and think, why, what am I doing? Why am I coming day, like week after week to church? But at the same time, I really wanted to be there and I wanted to be part of what was going on. So that was a really hard balance. And I, I think I got to a, a point where I went, right now I've got to be mum to these little babies who need me and other stuff can just, it's got to wait. Um, it might come back, it might not. And I had to just be okay with that. I mean, even though we had babies, we were still doing a heap of stuff, but it did slow down a bit, obviously, especially once you had two, three little kids. Um, <clears throat> I did say that. Just um, <laughs> I think even now, um, as a mum, and any mum would probably be like this in church, whether they're in full-blown ministry or not, but I'm always conscious of my kids. I'm conscious that... Um, they get enough that they're being fed as well, but not too much that they're going to look at me and go, oh, we don't want to go to church anymore. Because um, I've, I've grown up seeing other pastors and their children and they got dragged everywhere and the kids eventually got to a point where they just didn't want to have a bar of it. Um, and so I'm conscious of how, how much we make them come to 
and how much we kind of let them not come or, or give them things that they can look forward to if they have to be with us and come to something. So often on a Sunday we have two services, so I'm a little bit more, um, what do you call it, lenient <laughs> for the second service just because I already know they've come to church already, they've been really quiet, they've done what they need to do and they've listened so they've gotten something but then, you know, at the next service if they just want to sit and draw or go and go for a walk, I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, my mum and my dad were in ministry growing up and so we went to everything. I think I didn't mind so much, I actually enjoyed it but my brother I think found it quite hard to just always have to come along and I think he asked at about 14, said do I have to come and mum said yes. <laughs> Yes, you do. And that was it. Whereas um, friends of ours, they asked, oh, do we have to come? And their parents were like, no, you don't have to. It's up to you now. And they never went back to church. Um, but thank God all three of us kids are still following God. And I think, well, somewhere in there, mum went, you know what, if I start giving in and letting you not go, maybe you just will never come back. I don't know. But there's that wisdom. And mum said she always asked for wisdom every single day. And even now we'll ring up and she'll be like, just remember you can ask God for wisdom every single day. I'm like, yes, I do, Mum. <laughs> um, I just remember her always saying that. But, yeah. So I guess last question is to, you know, to sort of wrap this up. You know, the example of your mother and the way that she just did life and you know, was, was, was just Mum, but at the same time ministered and, and just did life quietly and was faithful to, to God. You know, and your experiences and your journey. You know. So to sort of wrap this up, what, what does it mean to you and what, does it, what do you think it means to live a, a quiet and peaceful life? Um, I guess looking at my mum, as I think I've said before, my mum was an extrovert. So she, she did everything, I guess, louder than I would and bigger than I would and that sort of thing. But in her faith and in who she was as a Christian, she wasn't big and boisterous. She still took the opportunities that came to her when they came. She didn't go out of her way, I guess, to ram things down people's throats or anything like that. But if she saw an opportunity, she was in there. Um, so I think for me, I'm a bit quieter than mum. So I'd probably miss more opportunities than she did. Um, but even when I'm talking, especially with people who aren't Christians, when I'm talking with them, I really just keep praying, going, okay, God, when can I put something in that makes them think about you? What can I say? What can I do to, to do that? But I will never, I'll never go out of my way to push something towards someone who's not interested. And I think a peaceful and quiet life is just doing what you're supposed to do, doing what God's called you to do. Um, Obviously, as mothers, that's one of the things that we're called to do. There's probably millions of other things we're also called to do, but that's a huge one. And so if we're putting a heap of our effort into growing up our kids in the way they should go, that's what God's asked us to do anyway. Um, I think, like I want all my friends who aren't Christians to know God. I do, and I don't want them to die without knowing who he is and that he loves them. And, um, but I also know that if I push too much with someone who isn't interested or isn't ready, all I'm going to do is push them away. And I have to just 
figure out what that balance is and really listen to God. And um, and I think just in the way we do life, in the way we speak, in the way we act, people see God in us. Um, I think nearly every conversation you've ever met a new person, within the first five, ten minutes, they know we're Christians. Not necessarily because of anything we've done, but they ask a question and God's in everything we do. So he's already in an answer. They'll say, oh, what do you do? Oh, well, we run two churches. Oh, okay. And then it's all of a sudden they... And I just think if you have met someone, they should know within that first meeting that you are a Christian. If they don't, maybe they haven't asked the right questions, but they should know something's different about you. And that's that quiet, gentle spirit, I think. Yeah, quiet and gentle, I don't believe, is about being silent. It's not about, um, it's not just about being a good person or, or that nice Christian. I, I think it is, there's a, there's a presence to it, there's, a, there's, a, there's an atmosphere to it, you could almost say. When we just come into situations, not necessarily highlighting ourselves, but there's a presence felt that we're there, that, that the presence of God is with us and comes with us wherever we go. And the fact is, for me, I, I look at that and I go, but that's exactly what Jesus did. You know, we, we kicked off our year here um, in the church with a series of, you know, you know to, to be Christ-like, you know, that we're to, to, we're, we're to be like Jesus. And the fact is, you know, Jesus just didn't come in all guns blazing, you know, at, at his moments, of course, but it was, it was timely and, and necessary to that thing. But generally speaking, he, just, he was just going about life. He'd call people say, hey, you should come along with us. And they would just start to do life with him. They'd go about, he would start to share and teach and do things like that. And it was just, there was a gentleness to it. There was a quietness to it, but it had presence. And so I guess just to finish up, the more I sort of thought about this, I went, no, this really is, it's, it's not, just, not just something on the side that we should do. It's not just something that we go, oh, well, that, that, that's for them and, and not for me. I think it's actually something we all need to practice and, and actually just try to wrap our heads around a bit um, of what it really means to be to be quiet and gentle. And I think this verse in Matthew I want to read just to finish up really sort of highlights that well because you know, Jesus called us to be like him, didn't he? He said, you know, walk in my footsteps, be like me, follow me. And so this is what he said in Matthew 11, 28 and 30. So Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and the, my, my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. But Jesus himself, in his own words, will say, no, I'm, I'm gentle and humble. So take on what I do. Take on my teaching. Take on my leadership. Take on who I am. And the burden's light. And I think that's, that's part of our, our job. Our, our job is to walk into scenarios, walk into the, this, this world around us and bring a lightness. That we bring such a sense of peace and such a sense of hope that it just permeates the atmosphere around us. And not to compare or anything like that, but I'll tell you what, I think... Women and mothers do this 
a lot better than men do sometimes. I've seen ladies just come into situations and they just bring just a calmness and a peace and just, no, let's just get this done or sort these things out or, or whatever the scenario is. So thank you. Thank you for, 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 for walking in that and, and, and bringing that into our world, bringing that into our churches and into our families. But it's not so much just women being women. I think it's actually women following all that God's called them to be. Amen? Let me pray. Lord God, I thank you for the mothers and the women in our world. I thank you for Prudence and just all that she was able to share this morning. And I pray that this has been a blessing to everyone. And I pray, Lord God, as we do go into our day, Lord God, that whatever the, the, the plans are, that they are just joyful, that they are just time together, Lord God. On that as well, Lord God, we lift up those, Lord God, that find Mother's Day hard, that find it, find it uh, a time of mourning and sorrow and grief. And I pray, Lord God, that your presence can just be ever-present for them, Lord God, that they just feel your peace around them today. I thank you for everyone here, Lord God. I ask just for safe traveling places of anyone going, traveling about. For those that are abroad, Lord God, at the moment, we just lift them up before you, Lord God. Just pray for safety and health. We thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen.